Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Wednesday? Well, is it Wednesday already? It is. Mm-hmm. Not, not, yeah. a, not an alternate Monday? Hey, we are like double alternate Monday back to back, Dennis. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. We're, maybe we're in the darkest timeline. This is the alternate timeline. We're definitely in the darkest timeline. Speaking of the darkest timeline, you ready for a discovery next to this Friday? Is that is that what's next? Star, Star, Star Trek Discovery. I am ready we for have, Star Trek. We don't have some Pike. more. Uh, yeah, we don't have we don't have Strange New Worlds or uh, maybe even some more Lower Decks. Yeah, Lower Decks just finished. Just finished. Yeah. But, but can we have some more, please? That's that's everything. Yeah, uh, please, sir. May I have some more? Right. What? Uh, um, when is Strange New World? Do we know anything about when when that's coming out? No, I don't know. Probably twenty twenty five. Twenty twenty probably. I mean, I will say that I had not um, heard any hype or comments or anything going around about um, Discovery, so it just kind of popped up on my radar. The odd way it popped up on my radar was that um, you, me, our buddy Trotsky, and our buddy Aaron had uh, lunch or uh, salad last week, mm-hmm. and we were t- we were discussing Apple Arcade, which I had just resubscribed to for the Transformers game, which I'll get to later. Um, and I was asking around, what, what games are you guys playing? And, and Aaron had mentioned that he is kind of enjoying the Star Trek Apple Arcade game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Star Trek. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, sure. What's that? So just yesterday, I finally got to open it up. And it's, it's man, Apple Arcade is so interesting. It is like all of the other uh, free-to-play um, turn-based role-playing games. It's, I think Star Wars has one of the biggest ones where you have characters and they're on the like the left side of the screen and they have skills and it's your turn, one person's character's turn, and then there's like you're fighting another character's on the right side of the screen and you have to shoot them or use nukes or whatever it might be. Um, and it's just like a you know role-playing game type thing. Uh, but you, have, you collect different characters. If it was Star Wars, they had all the different character stuff. And then you like can open up, you know, random boxes and you can level them up and give them gear and such like that and give them open up their special abilities and level up their special abilities. But through all the in-app purchases that these other game free to play games have the, um, Apple arcade has none. Uh, right. so, so this, like I, I've always enjoyed so many of these, um, free to play games, even that just like the mindless grind ones, they're still fun. Sometimes mindless grinds can be very fun. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, when, when there's the barriers, right. The, the barriers to progression is, is, is when it's sad and we don't like sad. Um, yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about this concept around and around. It really yeah. is just what are, what are the goals and what's the priority for everyone involved on their side? Like whenever video games became this us versus them, I don't know when that happened, probably yeah. somewhere in like the mid two thousands. Yeah. Um, if if your game has microtransactions, in-app purchases, whatever you want to call that, the player base has to discern whether or not those um, those things are predatory, right? Whether they're well, predatory is the best word for it. And in a subscription context, like in Apple Arcade, that's taken out of the equation. So yeah. you know that the studio or the developers or whoever is involved has to make their game fun for its own sake. Right. Um, they can't like, like they still can use those sort of casino, like 
you know, psychological tricks to keep people playing. Yeah. But without the stream of money coming in for them, they're much less incentivized to do that. And so therefore are more incentivized to make a game that is actually just fun for its own sake and not fun so that the company can keep getting paid. Right, which which, which leads to, to this game, as I was mentioning, is that this game is like it's all it's it's the what a couple several Apple Arcade games have taken free to play game models, which people clone. Right. It's like there's a million sure, sure, sure. Clash Royales and um, Clash of Clans Clash of clones. Clans. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, with their own little take. But they're all almost exactly the same kind of you know format. Um, and Apple Arcade puts these in here and then just takes out that microtransaction component. And a lot of times, well, at least in the two or three that I've played so far, it's just like, it feels like these games were developed for in-app purchases, but then they just removed or, or they put in a third type of currency that is the would be the paid currency, hmm. right? So now I can earn gems that would usually be bought gems, right? Um, and they still have a store that you would go to, but the store is uses credits that are earned in the game, right? right. Whereas before it would be buying money credits. Uh, which is, it's just that make that bit makes it like cool. I I'm fine with grinding because now I can actually get it, and it's also not meant to be grind for seven years so that we can balance out the five dollars if you want to pay it. Mm-hmm. Right? They're they're like, well, we'll just give you five dollars. You can you can earn about five dollars worth of credits in what would be I'm using air quotes five dollars in a day or two because they don't really care. They want to make it challenging and fun, but they don't want to make it like the free to play model of, yeah, you can get it. If you, you can get that one jacket item when you're 50, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is, this has been really fun. And so anyway, I, that's what this is. It's a, it's a role playing game, much in the kin of what the, the star Wars one DC had one. And, but this is star Trek. And I actually think you'd like it. I think it's pretty fun. It's definitely one that you can pick mm-hmm. up and just play pretty simply. You can play it just in a couple mm-hmm. minutes, each little combat's hardly anything. Um, it's got the thing like you can send your, your, your certain crew members away and get EXP while you're not there. But again, because you don't feel like you have to, and because they don't have to give you just little bitty rewards, they can actually get you, you know, good rewards for, for doing it. Hmm. Um, so I was like, yeah, I can just do that and it's okay. Right. Um, and, and at some point this connects back to discovery. Oh, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) You start out with Michael Burnham. Like you're okay. as a crew, sure. as a crew member, your first crew member you have is Michael, is Michael Burnham. And the next one is Worf. And the third one is Dr. McCoy. And the, as the storyline goes through it, it's, it's a cool little storyline. It starts off with, uh, the, the, uh, Federation has found a way to harness the injury, uh, the energy from the Nexus. Do you know what I mean by the Nexus? The Nexus was, uh, in Star Trek generations. Correct. The thing that, that um, uh, the villain, the Elorian, is trying to get back into, and that's how Kirk dies. Correct. For that yes. 30-year-old movie. Yes, that is exactly right. It's called the energy wave, some people call it. Um, mm-hmm. So they have they have found a way to harness, harness that energy, and they made a ship to go and do it. And at the very beginning, a little cinema scene, like the ship goes into the Nexus wave, and the crew members all start dis- disappearing, except for the captain. And then the captain finds Michael Burnham. They they also find a way. They're supposedly f- supposed to find a way to 
rescue other people who are trapped in the ribbon. That's one of the, not just harnessing the energy the Federation wants to do. They also want to rescue people who are in there. So okay, and and this is how they get different characters from different timelines. Correct in the game. Correct. Yeah, so yeah. you you get in there and and there and all of a sudden Worf comes through and he's like. I don't know how I'm here. His last, I remember that the Enterprise was going through this energy ribbon, and I don't remember. So evidently there was an episode that they didn't print, that Worf got sucked away in an, in an energy wave, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with McCoy, and same thing with us. And it, there's like every character that you can think of in every Star Trek version in this game. And you can, you know, sure. you have a squad of four. You can have get all of them, but you know you can start specializing in your squad that you like the best. And I was like, that's kind of cool. I mean, that's that's pretty fun. It's got you know, and each like the engineers have special engineering abilities that help in, in combat. And McCoy obviously heals and buffs people, and and he his little talky talk things are very McCoy talk bubbles and such. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. And, it's, and playing with them all together felt pretty cool. You know, they. You're you're saving people, the these people that are on your team, you know, from from the Nexus things, and you're fighting. And their explanation for you fighting like other Federation things is their their constructs of the Nexus. You know, how they're like you see things in the Nexus that aren't right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that that's pretty fun. And and I just loaded up that last night, and I it's got that positive feeling of wanting to open it again, right? Like I got I got a little time here. Yeah, like you know, three minutes. I'm gonna sit down. And I'll I'll shoot a couple things with these people, um, but yes. that made me think of Michael Burnham, and I thought, wow, I haven't, I haven't thought about Discovery. Is that even a thing anymore? It is getting close to December. Uh, that's usually kind of the winters when they come out. And sure oh, enough, yeah, it said yeah. next Friday. So I loaded up this uh, Discovery season two, and then I turned it off after the first episode. I'm like, yeah, I kind of remember why I didn't like this show. So. It, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's disappointing. What is this? Is this season five? Four, I think. Four, four, four. Three was three was when they're in the future. Three was in there when they're in the future. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and then, are they? See, you could tell. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, they're still in the future. Not a not a super fan, but I'm a pretty big Star Trek fan, and I cannot remember how season three ended. I honestly can't either because I was. I did not watch all of it until the end, and I had to binge watch the end to force myself to watch it. That's that's terrible to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like I, I got halfway through the season, I'm like, I am not interested in anything that's happening. Um, and then I also had the big Michael complaint that me me Michael complaint that Michael Burnham cries every episode, and then like the last three episodes, yeah. she cries every episode, and I'm like, God, right. I, I I was hoping this would prove me wrong, and I was being stupid, but oh my god. Um, so yeah, anyway, it's, uh, it's coming back. I'm, I'll watch the first one, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I want to say I like that there's always new track, but I don't know. It, it almost, oh, you know, another problem I had kind of was that I was watching it, uh, at, in bed at night and I kind of wanted to close Mm -hmm. my eyes and listen. And this is not this, this is what you used to call like Star Warsy. It's so much action Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. This show. Uh, there's so little dialogue. And when it is dialogue, it's just like kind of emo dialogue. Um, yeah. Yeah. But when I always put on, I'll put on um, next generation stuff and they're like having conversations and there's talk and there's an, a storyline. Um, it's just, it's just right. like, what are they, what's the old people say? Not my trick type thing. Yeah, maybe. 
Maybe. I mean, Maybe it's it's it very different, and it's not it's not bad just because it's different. It's bad because it's bad. It's it's. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe, don't to, maybe. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because we've. You can go back to listen to old episodes of our show, or yeah. there are people on YouTube who've broken this stuff down. Some of them are much much less apologetic to the franchise as a whole than than I tend to be. But it's really it's 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 just it's just not very good. I, I do I do yeah. hope that there is a younger generation out there. Let's just pretend they're in their twenties. That this is their this is their jam, and this is like maybe this is yeah. this is Star Trek for me, and they are getting in together in groups and talking about it as much as we used to talk about Trek when we were young, um, mm-hmm. wanting to watch and eating up every episode. And there's a, a fandom that will carry on with conventions in the future because, you know, because uh, there, there's the fans of like that uh, they're like that for the J.J. Abrams verse stuff right there's that's a, a voice of a generation for some people yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, li- I liked some of those movies. Yeah, yeah, too. So maybe, may, hopefully, who knows? Maybe that there is that this is a a good direct from on the on the flip side. Um, you know, we're looking for you and I know you and I are looking forward to Strange New Worlds. And is there another one? We there's the I did not. You know what? I have not watched that cartoon one with Janeway. Oh, you know, uh, I forgot about that one too. I don't think that's out yet. Are you sure? I am, I'm like, pretty sure it is. Maybe it is, and I, what's and I it, forgot all about What's it called? It. Star Trek app Prodigy? Prodigy sounds right. Yeah. Uh, I think it is out. Here, I'm just going to do a, do a quick... Uh, uh, oh, no, sorry. It comes out tomorrow. Tomorrow? Jeez. I'm looking at... That's, at that's how... That's a, don't, don't listen to our podcast for... No, news. no. It's, sorry. It says Star Trek Prodigy premiered October 28th. The next one comes out tomorrow is what it's saying. Oh, so there's one episode? P- perhaps. I don't know. The 28th is four weeks ago. One, two, three. So yeah. the do, are they doing the episodes like once a month? That's strange. No, I think there's there's I think it's once a week. So they probably Oh no, like, once once tomorrow. Oh, so you're saying there are like four or five of them now. Yes, there are no, there are four episodes out right now. Okay. The way you described it sounded like there was one on October 28th, and the next one is out tomorrow. Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah, I probably did that wrong. So there are four or so out, which, which is surprising that we haven't even talked about that. But. Even or, or that none of our friends have. I mean, I think it's more it's more of a kid's show than, uh, than Lower Decks. Maybe. I, I think I did hear someone say that they knew it was a kid's show, but still really enjoyed it. Yeah, so. that's not to say... Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to say that it's bad. I'm just saying our circle of friends are all adults, so it's completely possible that none of them are watching it. Yeah, it's it's the the way this is odd the odd thing. It's it's a Nickelodeon show actually is what this is. Mm, uh so okay. the the way this says is that it's the first 20 episode, the first season, first 20 episode season is going to be on Paramount Plus, which, by the way, there it's twenty episodes. That's more than any other Star Trek thing being put out right now. Um, and it will be on just uh, Paramount Plus, and then the next season and anything going forward will all be on Nickelodeon. Hmm. So that's something. It's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's where tw- again twenty episodes. They, they, you can't have. Why can't you give me twenty episodes of Lower Decks, but you can give me 20, 20 episodes of Star Trek Prodigy? I mean, historically, I think kids' shows have been able to, you know, 
make more episodes. Like there are more episodes of Sesame Street than. <laughs> what, why is else. that? Is it is it just because like they, they don't have to work hard at it or? Yeah, I mean, if you're making a show for kids, especially the younger the kids are, you can just take a formula and do it, and kids don't care, right? It's Power Rangers. Um, you know. Oh, I see what you're be, saying. It's just got to be flashy lights and and stuff. The the um, the writing is easier, even if the rest of the production uh, production expense is is as high, which it almost never is. I assume. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm throwing some generalization. <laughs> yeah, I, it just, it's always it's you know I, we've had this conversation where it's always weird for me how it's, it's you know some series can just crank it out and others can't. For example. Uh, because I don't know if it's always just about like, oh, they can just make it kind of crappy because Star Wars Rebels, for example, had 22 season episodes and they were fairly quality stories. 20, and 22 episode seasons. Yeah. And they were pretty quality episode stuff. Um, I wonder if it's also one of those things that like maybe Lower Decks could, but they don't know if they have the viewership for it, you know, because it is very kind of a niche Lower thing. Lower Decks is a, is a really niche thing. So, yeah, I mean... We and all our friends like it, but you know who knows. Yeah, whereas putting twenty-two episodes out can can have a like a lot of kids that will watch a lot of it, and they can just put it, you know, they can get into it. But whereas yeah. if you put out a show that's made for a specific amount of people, you're only going to get a subset of that people anyway. Yeah, I mean, we've had this conversation several times. To me, it's always about quantity versus quality. And while yes, obviously, in a perfect world, I would rather have a new episode of Game of Thrones every week. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not optimistic that anything even close to that is possible. I think, I think even a 24 episode, um, season of a show is going to have a decent amount of filler to, to pad out that runtime, whether those are full yeah. episodes of filler yeah. or episodes that are like 20 minutes of story, 30 minutes of, you know, rehash, um, yeah. um, kind of stuff. And so, I, you know, whatever it is, I prefer that it's good. Like, that's not, I'm not saying anything crazy there. No, for um, sure. Well, I mean, and, we, we had this conversation about the uh, the um, Netflix Marvel shows, same way, right? 13 episodes, hour and a half long. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so anyway, Prodigy, maybe I should start watching that one at night instead of watching Discovery again. Um, I mean, rewatching Discovery again. Rewatching Discovery. Yeah, I'll I'll check it out for sure and see whether it whether it connects to me in any way. Being a being a kids show, um, maybe I should maybe thing, I should binge Discovery. What do you think? Maybe you should just like watch one episode and then just wait for a while. Um, it's up to you, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're planning on talking about it every week. What I do want to maybe talk about every week, and we'll see how it goes. Um, is the new Wheel of Time series. Oh, I thought you were going to bring that up. I forgot. Did you even write that down on our thing? If not, you should have written I, that. I didn't. It's not on our notes, but I keep I keep hearing about it. I'm staying um, at the at my parents' south property here in southern Indiana, and um, Dad has a uh, Amazon Fire TV. This is way more backstory than you need. And <laughs> you have Fire TVs down in your basement, so I know that you know this. Um, they have big banner ads for whatever their new thing is. And all this week, it's been, you know, Wheel of Time. And I'm like, wait, the Fire TV thing says Wheel of Time. Oh, that's, that's November 19th. That's not until uh, we got We got a package today from Amazon Prime. 
and it mm-hmm. was wrapped in Wheel of Time ad. Jeez. Yeah. All their they're putting all their boxes even have Wheel of Time they're, stuff on it. They're they're going going a little crazy. Well, they spent a lot of money on it. Like, I'm sure. I, I I guess yeah. Hopefully hopefully that translates to the show being good. I we probably don't need to spend too much time on it this week because it's not out yet we haven't seen it i have i don't know i don't know i want to i want can i ask him questions because i know nothing about it and i've watched maybe one trailer that told me nothing about anything all right sure if if our buddy if our buddy cogswell is listening to the show this will be a good opportunity for him to yell at me for stuff that i don't remember (laughs) well i won't go it's just gonna be broad stuff so so maybe maybe you think um this is a this is a long story correct like this is one that's like 17 books or something crazy yeah i want to say I want to say that there are 13 books. Okay. And do you know if this is one of those shows, because maybe you know more than this, maybe you don't, one of those shows that they're going to do like Game of Thrones where one book a season, or are they just kind of taking ideas from it? Do you, do you know if that how it is? So I guess the, the, the where I'm trying to get at there is if I go pick up Wheel of Time book one and read it, am I going to be excited to go watch uh, season one because that's going to be the, this about season one or not? That's my assumption. I okay. don't know. Um, I I will say it's uh, fourteen books. Fourteen books. It, okay. So it was so tw- like it was twelve. Seasons. Yeah. It was. I think it was supposed to be twelve. And the original author Robert Jordan passed away, and um, well-known fantasy author Brandon Sanderson finished it. And the last quote-unquote book took three books for him to finish, so it turned from twelve into fourteen. Um, okay. Did, but, did did uh yeah did did it did you read them all? There was a lot of dids. Did you read them all? <laughs> I I did okay. um in in audio book format. Whether that sure. matters to people, um several of them several times. Um there are a couple of our friends. Um our buddy Pat uh listened to the audiobooks. Um our buddy Cogswell I mentioned previously. He read them I think almost as they were being published. Pretty close to. Um, the first book, The Eye of the World, came out in 1990, and I think he probably read that before the second one came out. So he he read them. Like, well, we, as we, are, we are we are definitely going to have to have him on after the like next week or so. We'll start to see if he's yeah available. after either after the first episode or maybe maybe after the after the season is over. Maybe we'll get or, both or those maybe guys both. On then. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. Um. As far the as wor- the. As far as the correlation between book and season, yeah. um, I I feel like I've heard that, that they are looking at something close to, like, the book one story. There's an interesting sort of thing where I don't know, and and again, this is another thing, like, even more so than Star Trek. Like, I've listened to all these books, some of them several times, and I've discussed it with our friends at length, but there are people out there that know this series so much better than I do inside and out. There are elements of the original book that are a little bit contradictory, not contradictory is a strong word, but um, there are things about the world that I don't know if um, Jordan had fully fleshed out when he, when he started writing. Um, And, and, and I don't know for sure if he knew how long, the series was going to go how much writing he was going to be able to do so there there are certain things that happen in the book that are done in certain ways that you don't see in any of the subsequent books and they're minor things in terms of you know how magic is used and 
and some of those kind of things. Like the characterization of the main characters is all, you know, pretty much set in that in that first book. That, but, that, that was that was going to be my next question with this. Okay. Was, as, as you you said that there were so many and how, how you described that, how that might go. Do you and since you read them or listened to them? That's the same if you ask me. But sure, do, yeah, yeah. do you feel that? Uh, is there a plan? Were they Cylons? Like, do you feel like the book one and the last one, they all had like a, it's an overall story or was it very much like a, okay, three books are one story and then three books, four books are one story. And then they're in the same world and they connect, but they're like next chapter in these people's lives. Cause I, I, I'll, I'll read, for example, like the Dragonlance books, there's the Dragonlance Chronicles, which are three books and they're about these, it's a holistic story. And then there's the, like mm-hmm. the two books that are test the twins are about two main characters that were in those other ones, but it's their story as they continue on. You know what I mean? So, like, it's a big story yeah. to read them all, but so this is a little more like um like Lord of the Rings. And I only mean that in the sense that because it's it's different from Lord of the Rings in many ways. Um there is one main story about one main character in the way that Lord of the Rings is about Frodo. Um but there are other characters throughout and there are several books in the middle somewhere where almost nothing happens to the main character and you spend a lot of time with the side characters the side characters is even a strong but it's it's more it's closer to the lord of the rings setting of main character and side characters if you want to call like aragorn Legolas, Gimli, Mary Pippin, like all of those side characters, then a series like Game of Thrones, where you're not really sure who the main character of Game of Thrones is. Yeah, there's right. Or, or I use Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire interchangeably. That's the the book series, the name of the book series. Yeah. Um, where Game of Thrones is just the first book, but they're they're multiple characters doing multiple things, and that's. A little bit how Wheel of Time is written, like there's there's political intrigue, not as much as Game of Thrones, um, but there, it's still in there. Um, there are characters separated for whole like long arcs, like several books. Some characters won't meet at all, and then they'll find each other again, like in another book or close to the end or um, whatever in that, but. It's definitely the 14 book series is essentially there is one main story running through all of it. Um, if that okay. answers your question. Well, uh, what about, okay. So follow up, follow up, follow up question, sir. Uh, do you feel that there are, you kind of maybe answered it books that they could cut out. So what I'm getting at this question here, I'm driving for is, 14 seasons seems like a lot for any show. Um, so mm-hmm. if they want if this was one story is what you're saying, they would probably want to cut it down to if it's as popular as what say game of Thrones was seven or eight was really pushing it. Mm-hmm. And they want to, so let's just say they cut it down. Can you easily say like, Oh, they really didn't need like books two, six, five and, and eight, you know, like those. Really- sure. I mean, there are, there's a character who, meets a girl and i mean there are several romantic relationships throughout the series so this is not really a spoiler but 
uh, readers of the books will know the characters that I'm talking about. And they're, you know, they go through a sort of antagonistic friendship, courtship to eventually, you know, falling in love and and confessing through a through a sequence of events. And then it's a little bit of a he goes on an almost sort of like uh, um, scourging of the Shire kind of story where he goes back to the village where they start and becomes like a, a sort of noble there, even though he's not really into it. And he has to deal with like all of that narrative happens. And I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler even to describe it in as much detail as I am. But he is also constantly dealing with his relationship with his now wife, right? Like they fall in love and get married. And she, like, they're just from different places. Like she's born a little bit higher than he is. Yeah. And and has a kind of, um, like a culture where she needs to be and and she wants to be um uh, boy how do i say it? there's no way for me to politically to say this in a politically correct way like she wants to be dominated or or dominated is a strong word like she wants to be stood up to in an assertive way that he is not comfortable with yeah. um he he wants to be you know a much more just like caring tender kind of thing and it takes in in my memory it takes several books of going back and forth and like them meeting her parents and her meeting the people who raised him and his family and and he has to keep learning this lesson over and over until they get to like a a good balanced place in their marriage yeah and and then there's at least a whole book where she's kidnapped and he is going on a you know, on a quest to find her and save her and, you know, whether or not she needs saving, he doesn't really know. And it's a lot of uh, quote unquote screen time. Um, That's one of those stories that I feel like, and I don't think I'm alone in this opinion of people who read these books. I think if they cut that out, it would be like 15 to 20% of the whole story. Um, is just this, like, not cut out the relationship, but really trim down all of that extra, like, side adventure, side relationship stuff. And that, that's just one example. I think there are, because because the story, because the series is one story with a lot of other things happening in its shadow, sort of like, um, more like Game of Thrones than... Um, than Lord of the Rings because um, the things that happen in Game of Thrones are um, not quite apocalyptic, but they're close to it, right? Like, like the king dies and now there's a civil war, right? Yeah. And so there are a lot of other things happening, right? Like you follow Arya and she meets this little band of, you know, bandits or, or whatever. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff in this series because there are big events happening and then we zoom down to the the characters we know and the the large and small things that they do and and that happen to them 
in the shadow of the big events, the big wars and battles um, that are happening at the same time. And so there are any number of those, those stories where like a couple of side characters could be combined, right? Where you're like, oh, they meet this farmer and he does this thing. Mm, and that yeah, sort of yeah. sends them this way. And over here, they meet this farmer and he's got a daughter. Well, they can meet one farmer with a daughter. They don't need all of that. Um, there's definitely going to be a lot of that kind of editing um, to make the story more um, efficient, say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's my my prediction or anticipation as far as well, that goes. I, I will say that there's going to be a couple, well, I guess a pretty one easy thing that will hook me or not hook me on these kind of movies. Uh, I... I, I I'm definitely putting these in the fantasy square of mm-hmm, things, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, e- even uh, maybe Lord of the Rings would be considered low fantasy overall. I mean, mm-hmm. I know it's got mm-hmm. orcs and and uh, um, Balrogs and stuff, but you know, overall, it's there's not like fireballs and magic missiles swinging everywhere or right. teleport spells. Um, but uh, I still put it in fantasy. There's a, but there's a lot of things in fantasy. Mm-hmm. And as I start to kind of critique what what kind of hooks me and doesn't hook me and what gives me like, oh, this is going to be good for m- maybe me and my teenager or uh, not really the big popular is a lot of times it's cinematography and costuming. Hmm. Um, and I, from I, everything I, I've seen, all of that stuff looks like it's going to be really good. Well, I see. I That's what I'm not sure about. I've only wa- I only watched one trailer because I didn't want to like. I, I got a bad. I kind of think I got a bad impression in the first trailer, and I didn't. I didn't want to watch mm. others because I didn't sure, want to sure. like come up with some bad expectations then poo poo it. Um, okay. Because, and, and I wrote this down so I would not forget them. You remember the show Shadow on Bone, and yep. Aragon, and there was a 2017 King Arthur. There's there's a lot of these in the same kind of vein where, like. You can tell they're wearing costumes is the best way to put it. Like they're wearing, yeah, they're wearing leather armor, but it's like stitched perfectly. Right. And it's not been wore or beat down. And it's kind of like they made these on, on an expensive set. Right. Mm. But it's just still too clean. Right. The people don't look like, like their hair is all so nicely made all the time. Even like the ruffian rogue who's in the woods all the time. Like he's still like perfectly oiled and made hair. Um, and it just makes me feel like, I don't want to call it CW, but the MTV, what Shannara Chronicles, Shannara Chronicles. Yeah. That's, I, that's I, the other one. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And, and if, and you know, sometimes those stories aren't terrible, right? They, right. they come, they come to them and they're pitched as a story that, that works out. They, they, maybe they're based on books that are really good. Shadow and Bone may be an example of that where the world seems really neat, but then, mm-hmm. but then you throw in like a cinematographer that doesn't know how to, you know, just take, use the cameras. Right. I guess. Right. Remember I am not a professional cinematographer, but I can at least (laughs) see and appreciate or not appreciate what's, what their work is. And, um, maybe it's also the, uh, like I said, the the costuming just looks really bad or the set design is really, really bad. And that happens a lot of times, sad to say on these streaming services, because sure. they're they're not putting out necessarily Game of Thrones thing, and I know Game of Thrones was on a streaming service, but I think well, that's the I think that's the, HBO did streaming, but it was HBO before. Right, you're right. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just it's you know it's 
that that's the exception to the rule than the actual mm-hmm. rule. Uh, right. So I, I want I want to I want to like this. I'm I'm glad I get to ask you these questions. It, it just makes me feel like this is, has all the potential. You're you're describing what I, I like to hear, right? What it, all mm-hmm. this little mini interview was, and what I've kind of read before. So I, I do have my fingers crossed. Um, you know, but I've also yeah, been burned I'm, on a lot I'm, of things like that. I'm a little bit in the same in the same space. I I don't know. I don't want to get into this. I already spent too long uh, describing that that boring relationship in the book story. I I have some kind of pre concerns about things that they're going to do with the world, the world, um, and the world building. Uh, let's say it this way: it was progressive for 1990. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. In a, in a way that like Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and Voyager were progressive. Do you know what yeah. I mean when I say that? Yeah, yeah. Um, but by today's standards, they're not so much? Yeah, by today's standards, not only is it not progressive, but some elements of it are, you know, regressive or or still, you know, stereotyped and, and, and sexist and, and some of those things. And I'm okay with, you know them leaving some of that stuff behind like i'm not saying that they have to make a sexist show in 2021 um but i think i described this in an earlier episode of the podcast like the the magic system is inherently uh gendered or sexed i don't know how to say that in a way that doesn't sound like Mm -hmm. i'm talking about the sex act um the magic is split into male and female halves um and I thought of it again when uh, uh, Dad and Andrew and I watched um, Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. And that movie is all about balance, right? There, there are these two sides. And there are two, there are two sides to everything throughout that whole movie. And I talked about it when, uh, when we watched that movie a couple months ago. Um, but if you think about the scene in Shang-Chi where... His father, whose name I'm not going to remember how to say, they always just call him father. He says his name, but Win Wu or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, when he, he did first meets. Than I, I would have. Well, I just saw it two days oh. ago. So um, when he meets the mother in, um, in that place, the, whose name I'm also going to forget, um, and they fight the first time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Tao Long or Tao. Yeah, I think it was Tao Lo. Yeah, some they're, they're, um, that place. Yeah, they fight, and if you if you watch the way that the two of them fight, it's actually very similar to the way that magic works in Wheel of Time. Yeah. Um, the 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 ten rings are like the male way of using magic. It's very forceful and domineering where the female side is the way that the mother fights it's mo- it's more there's more of a flow it's more um um like naturalistic um kind of a you know the closed fist versus the open palm yeah um idea and tying those two concepts to the sexes is kind of sexist <laughs> and right. Uh, you know, so anyway, that's just one example of of things that I'm, you know, I'm preparing myself because I, I read or listened to this series uh, before Game of Thrones. And so it's 
it's you know it's something that I really really enjoyed as I as I went through it and I'm just hoping that uh, that the adaptation is is done well well speaking of a perfect segue from things that were progressive at the time but may have regressive things today how about our weekly um, challenge movie sure So this this one is Michael Keaton movie. Michael Keaton movie. Mr. Big Star of the comedy star of the eighties, right? Eighties, nineties. I think so. And yeah. Well, yeah, and and especially after this movie because this is uh, nineteen eighty three. Oh, early eighties. Okay, cool. Yeah, early early eighties. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, uh, we're we're talking about Mr. Mom from, excuse me, from nineteen eighty three. Michael Keaton, Terry Gar. Um, a handful of others, probably not too many, you know, except maybe Jeffrey um, Tambor, Jeffrey Tambor of, uh, Arrested Development fame and other more recent projects. Um, Christopher Lloyd is a secondary character, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, in the, in the back there, Larry, Larry and Stan. Yep. And then there's, um, the, there's the guy, the dad from Arrested Development. Yeah. That's, that's, that's Jeffrey Jeff Tambor. Tambor. No, I was thinking of, uh. The, sorry, the dad from Beetlejuice. Oh, I don't know. Who that, he's is that the, the he's her guy? boss. Oh, Ron. I Ron Richardson. That, ooh, maybe that's a different guy. I'm not sure. They look uh, sufficiently weird. Well, he was in Clue. Clue. That's what I'm thinking Luster. of. That's what I'm. That's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking of. Is Clue. Okay. Yes. All right. So, um, this is a tricky movie for me to discuss. I I think that <laughs> I've that I've said this before. Um. If you are about the same age as us, I'm 40, Michael, you're 46, five, six. Um, you might remember a technology called VHS. Uh, it was <laughs> uh, a, something you could use to record movies and television onto tapes and then play them back. Uh, I don't know what you would compare it to now. It's kind of like saving a TikTok video on your phone. So you can watch it later, except um, a VHS tape at the very most would uh, could hold six hours of video content, which meant you could maybe fit three movies on it. And especially if they were on TV and you you know paused it every time there was a commercial, you record a movie off TV. And there was mostly um, just one, one movie on it. Yeah. And it was often just one movie, maybe two. Um, but when I was a kid, we didn't have cable which is something else kids won't know, but I don't think there are too many kids listening to our podcast. <laughs> um, we didn't have cable, and we didn't have a lot of movies that were bought on VHS tapes. Um, and so we watched the stuff we had recorded on these VHS tapes, you know, from when the Disney Channel would do a free trial, we'd record stuff. And so we had Jungle Book and um, Dumbo, and Robin Hood. No, no, it was Robin Hood. It was Dumbo and Robin Hood on one tape with maybe maybe one more. But I don't think you could really fit. Th- Even though it was six hours. Well, kid movies are shorter. So we, we'd probably fit three. Anyway, I've, I went lost on the details. <laughs> this is a movie that we had recorded on VHS tape. And there are enough silly, goofy things in it that um, my parents let us watch this. Um, we talked about this last week. 
it because of that it seems like a kid's movie but it's not at all like yeah there's nothing going on in the story that makes any kind of sense to a kid right. um but that being said i have seen this movie dozens if not hundreds of times <laughs> um as up until last night i had probably not seen it for 15 to 20 years um, but I had seen it or been around when it was on um, at an old enough age that I picked up on what was going on in the story, finally. When I was a kid, um, I was just going from scene to scene. I'm like, oh, here's the scene where he makes he's going to make the joke about the lone pickle and yeah. the kids are going to are going to echo it back to him. And here's the scene where the vacuum comes to life. And later we're going to get the scene when he staples the blanket back together. Like all that stuff was funny to me as a kid and it didn't matter what was going on in a story. Yeah. Um, so watching it again as an adult, um, I mostly, it mostly was just kind of filling in the blanks for me. I'm like, okay, I know this happens and they get there, but what what happens in between like you know when they're carpooling to work the first day they're like what's the record for least amount of sleep and they you know he's i think Lindbergh has it and i'm like oh Lindbergh, i get you know that's a, that's a joke i didn't get as a kid um and there were other things like um Understanding that she is going to work at an advertising agency, right? So, like, right. Uh, later Jack calls him Madison Avenue, right? Which is, right. Uh, uh, you know, Mad Men, right? This is well yeah. before Mad Men, but that's, you know, Mad. the show is called Mad Men because that's what they called advertising uh, people on Madison Avenue. Right. Um, and... What else? Other little things like I don't think I noticed or realized um, that when they're doing the race, the relay race thing, it's not um, it's not the real chariots of fire music. It's yeah. just it's just very close to it. <laughs> um, couldn't get the rights to it. And and because I had seen it so many times, I couldn't remember what happens in what order. Um, and so I'm like, is this, are we getting close? Have they done the Halloween stuff yet? Or is that, <laughs> no, that happens later and they do the grocery store. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I've been talking for a while. What did you, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was mixed. I, I kind of, I have fond memories of it. I not, I had not watched it as many times. I do know that I watched it many times because it was on TV a lot. Mm. Um, and I can't remember why it was on TV a lot, or or I think I really don't need think I need to go into how it was, but I, I pr- I'm pretty sure that I watched it multiple times because it was on. Maybe it's one of those things where we could get in. I'm pretty sure it's one of those things where I could, if I hit the rabbit ears the right way, we could get in HBO. Um, okay, and, and it was and HBO would show the same shows over and over and over again often. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I think Mr. Mom was one of them. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the way because I think there was at the time for my age it would be considered risque scenes in it. Right. And and I remember thinking, this is this is grown up material. And, and looking mm-hmm. back on it, that's the feeling I had. So I, there's no way we would we would have seen that on like 
network TV. Um, right. So, which by the way, there's nothing crazy risque about that. What's in the show? But back then in '83, maybe it would have been. No, it's it's PG. There's like yeah. one one scene where the the friend the the wife's friend is wearing a negligee, and yeah. they go to a a male strip club, but there's no nudity. Yeah. You know, you see just some... that, just the fact like they're doing a strip club and they're doing, yeah, you know, that ex- she's exactly. in a lingerie and, and they focus mm-hmm. in on her, her breasts, you know, often her, her cleavage a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. Right. So, um, but anyway, that, that, that was my kind of thought process of it. It's the only thing I can think of. So I, I wanted to give my little back history on it, but I did not watch it as many times, but I did watch it often. I'd say mm-hmm. maybe five or six. And that's a lot for a kid. Sure. Um, sure. and I, and like you, I also remember bits and pieces of it and anyone who talks who remembers it who i've mentioned it to in the last week um remember also the highlights of it i remember shelly I, I said watch mr mom she's like oh you mean where they hold the kid up to the to the dry hand dryer thing i was like mm-hmm. yeah that one so she remembers the bits right mm-hmm. um so i also remembered the bits and it doesn't stray too much far because it's a very very simple concept right the, right what right. it is um i actually for, just remember it being one of the first kind of concepts novel. Ooh, a guy staying home, you know, right. Even in 83, that was still like, Oh, you know, the wife being the breadwinner and the, and the guy being the, the stay at home mom, I, that was still happening. That was, you know, a thing that was, you know, being broken in groundbreaking in the seventies or even sixties somewhat. Um, but even in the eighties, that was still kind of taboo and very not seen what much, you know, especially the early eighties was full of, you know, the, the dudes working late, going to work early and the wives right. staying home very much still trying to hearken back to the June Cleaver days. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so this, what this movie coming out was a kind of a, a statement of, you know, this is, this is funny. haha Because of this, the, the whole concept was funny. haha Right. 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 And, and you put Michael Keaton in it and it's funny. haha And this, Watching it now as an adult, the first 50 minutes of the movie was a little, I wouldn't say, cringeworthy is a bad word, but like, Hmm. this is, like the jokes really fell flat. You know, he he comes and he tries to talk to his buddies at the plant about Rocky, and it's Mm -hmm. not funny. It's like, it's kind of like Michael Keaton's coming in and he's having some improv time. And he's just not doing good, right? And I don't. They just, they just I don't think it. that sequence is supposed to be funny. I right, mean, but, right. It's and, funny in an awkward. Like he's trying to relate to them, and he clearly is not relating to them at all. Right, and it just it. it they look like they're staged. Right, they they they, they okay. it doesn't yeah, even yeah, try yeah. the fact that they're all just facing the camera talking mm-hmm. like it was a Saturday Night Live episode. And a lot yeah. and a lot of the episodes are like that. Like when when they he gets fired and they try to do the 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 choking thing. That's all like. Definitely mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live-ish. Everything sure, looks Saturday sure. Night Live-ish through the whole thing. Yeah, I got uh, And I was like, okay, th- this is all very skit. All of it was just mm-hmm. a skit. And it had even like the Jaws thing with the, 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 the thing. is like, okay, w- what's happening here? Why is he attacking the thing? And is he really that dumb that he can't like right. stop the washing machine, just walk up and turn it off, you know? Uh, and it's... I was, that sounds like I'm being very cynical, but you know, it's supposed to, I remember it being like a laugh, belly laughing, funny type thing Mm -hmm. that like my mom was laughing and my aunts and all those kind of scenes were like, Oh, this is so great. You need to talk about it. And I look at it now as adults, like 
That's not that funny. It's just okay. I mean, I'm an adult now. I know that washing machines don't act like that. And right, you know, and that's it, him. Him putting stuff together was funny, like the borax and all that stuff. Was that mm-hmm. that makes some kinds like so? Anyway, and then yeah, it it alternates between this like like some of it some of it is real and relatable, and some yeah. of it is is this slapstick kind of. So this was yes, that's right. You're, that's what you're. I'm trying to get at. So there. this this was written by John Hughes. Okay. Um, you know, who made, right, Ferris Bueller's Day Off mm-hmm, and Breakfast mm-hmm. Club and um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Now that I'm listing those movies, I see the, like, some of the recurring cast that he... Yeah. That his movies... Um, uh, I, I, I liked, your, I liked your, your description of, I think they're being real in a lot of stuff, and then, and then they're being really goofy, like I said, Saturday Night Live-y. Where they're just telling a funny joke and we're all laughing around around a, a, a right, skit like, being played. Like, I mean, a good example, I mean, you said the washing machine thing. Like, him mixing all the chemicals or overstuffing the machine, that feels realistic. Like he's That does, yes. I'm certain that he's never done laundry before. Yep. And, and so he's, like, he's, he's trying, he's like, yeah, let's, I'm going to try, I'm going to, you know. And it's a combination of, like, inexperience, ignorance, and also, like, male overconfidence to go like what if i just mix these all together it'll save time like it makes perfect sense and then the machine like shaking loose and him wrestling the hoses like maybe wrestling the hoses is a little is a little more accurate but like that's all overblown and the whole thing with the with the vacuum cleaner is just stupid yeah and it's funny i don't put it down it's funny but it's it's funny funny. it's it's slapstick funny it's like it's funny because it it wouldn't it wouldn't happen. Like the the grocery store sequence is the same way. Like he doesn't want to buy maxi pads. He doesn't want to be seen grabbing. Like sure, okay, yeah. I mean, he's probably never done that. It's uncomfortable. He doesn't know where anything is in the store. He's probably never gone grocery shopping, especially not for his family with three kids in the cart all at the yeah. same time. So he keeps like bumping into people. He's like accidentally knocking stuff down, and it's make like that's all pretty. All pretty real. And then he's at the deli counter and he doesn't understand how anything works. Any of the meats, any of the cheeses or any like she's running through that. That whole thing is like a skit. And then there's this mob of people all around him, like, like, you know, making a bunch of noise as he's trying. And I'm like, what, what is this? This is everything else. Like the other jokes up to this point felt real. This feels completely staged. Yes, that that that's well said, and and, and that was, I didn't know what to, I kept thinking like this. What is this? Felt like eighties. I want to say eighties, but eighties bad comedy is what I kept thinking. Mm-hmm. Like that you you kind of get comedy, but your your realism comedy is just passable funny, um, and then well, it's like you're transitioning out of the like the bad Monty Python. 60s 70s kind of like slapstick vaudeville stuff into being a little more realistic but you haven't come all the way to like seinfeld era stuff yeah so so then then you have uh, yeah i I think your your perfect description of the scene with the all like there's all women and they're all just right up on his face and you, you immediately anyone who's an adult which i guess we just established is what these this show is for not a single person has ever gone to the to the um, the deli counter 
and had someone grill them over everything and then had six women behind them pushing and, and groaning and yelling. No one at any mm-hmm. place has ever had that right. experience, right? This this was a skit. And, and I am not one of those people, one of the rare people, I think, that has never really cared for Saturday Night Live. Like, it's, sure. it's just, you know, over-the-top skits for, you know, over-actors. Yeah, and, yeah. and and that's and that, during the eighties, they made skits, Saturday Night Skits, into movies. That's what they kind of did. Sure. And yeah. this this felt very much like them. Now, I, I said all that, and then I said at the fifty minute mark, it starts to get much better, and and I and I found myself really enjoying it, and I had a laugh out loud moment at it. Um, and that was the fifty minute mark is when he has the the um, the dream about I think it's Joan or something coming over and him getting shot. Oh, the, the, the soap opera dream sequence. Yeah. Because at that point they start, the the movie drops the, he's so completely incompetent in, in the world is, you know, that he can't even learn to shave. Like it was just so dumb. I just kept feeling like this is so dumb mm-hmm. up to this point that this man can't even make popcorn like how mm-hmm. incredibly <laughs> if if he's running a successful career at least he knows how to make coffee right he could do right. something right he is a complete inept and not only that he's an automotive point, engineer like yes he, he had to have gone to college like yes. he didn't learn any life survival skills in college a- right. at all and and then and then on top of that um he is a hardcore sexist like he is sure uh, um, that that's that first half there was what we just talked about like very regressive it was supposed to be very progressive but he is i mean he he just scoffs immediately when she wants to go back to work and like this is no way this is going to happen and everyone in the movie is all like there's no way that she could do this and he bets her a hundred bucks that he, mm-hmm. he won't and then it's woe is me that she can have a career and then as soon as she goes into the office she is hounded by men the whole time and i know this is like Okay, you're looking too hard on this, but that's that was indicative of the thought of the 1983. That's kind of how sure. everything was the process, and that's what everyone knows. And I look at that and like, man, this this isn't funny. This isn't funny. This is like this sucks. This is too too bad. So the 50 minute mark, and you have this funny comedic wake up moment from him, and mm-hmm. it tosses off all that old Michael Keaton. I came Jack is his name. Tosses yeah. old Jack off. He changes his mentality around, and he's like, I can do this, which he can do this. He's not a moron, right? Right. Men aren't morons because they can stay at home. And he just starts to handle it. He still stumbles. He still doesn't have things right. He's still ironing the the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is you know, handling stuff. And then it gets into like the, the funnier. Things become funny. And he's a competent character. And the wife stands up for herself at work. And she starts for, uh, you get the... Uh, that's after that is the uh, the race that you were describing, right? And and where he he's like screw you, and he goes to win, and then he throws it on purpose because because he loves her and she loves him. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is great. All of these scenes are great. You have a competent guy. You have a mom in the workplace. Uh, they're they're working it out, and they're they're kind of doing these things, and they're funny. Like they're right. they're just on the same team, on the same page, on the same things. And then you have that drama, that small little sh- bit of drama where. You know, she's working too late, which by the way, what the hell, man? Like who works from seven in the morning till 10 at night every day? I mean, granted, I guess you're making enough money for two people, but I think you're losing the point of why you're working. Yeah. Um, it's the whole, like trying to keep 
that account and stuff. The, I noticed that she's on the plane that, every day, like on a plane, right? Jeez. Right on the on a private jet. Um, the sequence, the the part of that sequence that stuck me this time that I'm sure that I've never noticed before, like. All the gags, you know, they're playing the Rocky music. He's climbing the ladder. He's he's <laughs> blowing the trumpet. He's doing drill sergeant stuff to wake up the boys and all that. What I noticed this time is that it's something that I noticed at the beginning of the movie when he's getting up and he's making the joke about the pickle and all that stuff. She is playing perfect housewife, right? Yes, I noticed the, that too. T- right, Terry yeah. Gar. And like she's... She's got his breakfast and she, you know, sees him to the door and gives him a kiss and all that. And it's perfect. And, and they, then they meet it, him at the door on the way home and like are all standing perfectly so they could have dad. Come right. Because 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 he got laid off and that's the awkward like, oh, yeah, this is. Ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah. Rough. But then he goes through that that Rocky sequence and the the um like the. You know, it's this sort of montage. The The culmination of that montage is him doing all those things for her in the morning, right? Where yes. he's like, he brings her the breakfast while she's still in the shower and he sees her to the door and gives her a kiss and, and all that. And it's like, okay, now he's come, he's come full, in, not, not full circle, but like. He's come through it. He's come through it. And now he is as as functional and competent in this role as she was at the beginning of the movie. Um, right. And, and now they're at a place where he, you know, the story can move forward because now he's justified in, you know, being annoyed that she's working so much that she's missing, um, you know, their kids' lives. And, 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 and maybe that, and maybe that's to. the part I liked so much about the, the second half as opposed to the first half is that, and maybe you know there's a little bit of the fact that i am a single parent it's that the hard parts of being a single parent or being a stay-at-home parent in general isn't necessarily what they were showing it wasn't making breakfast it wasn't getting into the school line properly there's so much other things that that they they made him be completely inept about like wash the washing machine is not going to go walking out the the door if you make a mistake but Mm -hmm. there's other things that are just as funny or other things to do if you actually know what a stay-at-home parent does now the second half was better because you're right it showed it shows that he is working through and he's got other things that are 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 the hard part about staying at home parents, which he you know mm-hmm. he doesn't get to see his spouse, and right. she doesn't get to, to. He's doing these things with the whoopee by himself, and there's things that are happening. These things are hard, and it it made it a good show. And then you got Michael Keaton doing funny things in that kind of moments, like when he held the kid up to the to the uh, the, the, dryer the dryer. You know, at that point he's in his good mode, right? And he's stand he's standing up for his friends and family against the, when they try to rehire him, things like that. Like that was good and funny. And within context of a of a parent that's trying, I loved I loved the um, I, I keep saying I love the dream sequence, which I totally did. But I also loved <laughs> um, how they handled the uh, advances by the two different people, like the her boss and his the other girl, the mm-hmm. other lady there at the end. Joan. I really really liked it. He like he was struggling because he, he thought that she cheated on him, and but he still really cares. You know, he's like he's he's a, a true blue husband type thing, and she stood up and you know punched the guy and uh, they came back together and it wasn't some huge drama where they, they just came in where a little fight fighty about each other, but then appreciated. It was just so well, I made me feel Resolved like that's it. The only, yeah. the only thing I'll add to that is a thing that 
boy, I think if we had watched this in 2019, mm-hmm. um, I would not have cared about this at all. But the the tuna commercial mm-hmm. at the end, boy, mm-hmm. that that hit that hit a raw chord after 2020. <laughs> the like, hey, we're all in this together. Right. Tiny American flag tuna with a heart. And I'm like, no, no. We hope this email finds you well in these trying yeah. times. And I'm like, oh, no, no. Please, please, no. You know, it, something about watching this show, too. Again, as an adult, which was, I, I'm really glad you picked this one because viewing this as an adult is a completely different experience. Like, oh, yeah. Or especially, you know, what, 30 years from when it was made. Right. Um, is I just have to look at this and say, those are, that is a terrible advertising firm and if anyone was watching this show who had any <laughs> brains in their head would know that this is a terrible example her, of what marketing her, her magic idea is for them to run a temporary discount yes exactly and, and make a commercial about it right and and his commercial is him when they were filming that like she's like oh, this guy just entrusted me with 11 million dollars and they started filming that i'm like this is like some guy in his basement with a a, a gray background and the company and he films the guy and that's the eleven million dollars that they pay. Shouldn't he be right. like at a house or something? Like Mark Zuckerberg at least sits at his kitchen table when they film him saying something. You know, it was. It's just. It was so awful. It was like what she did was so awful. What he did was so awful. What the advertising did was so awful. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, this this, this was pretty terrible. But anyway, um, it, it, it was okay. Uh, it did help me feel. My moving into final judgment here. It did mm-hmm. remind me why. Some movies I think of in the past, I, I have memories of like, why isn't something like that? How can they not put that on a top 100 poster? And I go back and watch it and I'm like, oh, they were fine, but they definitely mm-hmm. don't, for for logical reasons, don't belong anywhere near uh, right. type type right. of a thing. And and I don't know, I honest to God don't know if I would show this to anybody today who's never seen it right. and they would like it, yeah. right? Uh, but I'm not going to, I'm still not going to not like it because... I still have nostalgic feelings about the first half and the mm-hmm. second half I genuinely liked. So yeah. for me, it's still very much thumbs up, yeah. but as we like to do, I, I don't know if I'd recommend it to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like so many of the, I mean, as you said, the, the, the jokes don't really work. Um, the, the 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 lessons and the set it's it's really become like a and it's funny that i i've made the comparison i don't know if we're really doing spoilers non-spoilers because there's nothing there's nothing too surprising in this movie we, we spoiled the movie he stays at home and is, is, a, is a yeah and and <laughs> and stuff works out at the end as a john yeah. hughes movie right. um I made the comparison to Madman because a lot of it is just like a like a time capsule for the early eighties slash you know late seventies. Yeah, well, well like, said, Dennis. That's there well said. Are, there are a lot of things that are that are very late seventies. Like you look at the the dark wood in the furniture and the like oranges and and stuff like that. But still moving into the eighties where you've got you know some floral patterns and all of her. Um, Terry Gar's like work suits outfits are just awful. Um, you know, you can see that you're like, oh, I see. This is there's still some some little bits of the '70s hanging on, but we're moving past that. We're moving into shoulder pads and you know, big ribbons and and stuff like that. Um, 
but yeah, as far as the story goes, like I can't judge it fairly because it's, you know, in, in my family, there are still lines from this movie that we quote. Um, there's one that comes up on occasion, which I'll admit is the, the, the real reason that I, that I picked this movie this week. Do you, can you guess why? What, why is that? I don't know why. Uh, when he's when he's first meeting the boss Ron, yeah, and he's telling him about his plans. Oh, wait, wait, yeah, putting putting in the addition. It's it's the line that they repeat later in the dream sequence you were talking about. Oh, I don't remember. He says, he says, "You're gonna do it all two twenty. Oh, do it all. T- yeah, I I actually how how dumb is that like i I, old enough to now know the guy comes in is like you're gonna do it all 220 my first immediate response was like no i'm not putting in a whole kitchen or washer and dryer in this thing i'm yeah i'm not gonna (laughs) i'm not gonna do an like just an add another room onto my house and wire the whole thing in 220 what what the hell man this isn't europe (laughs) right right Uh, yeah what's and there was a couple of those two those the the lines that i that i i think are repeatable was the um what did you use a 38 on them? She's like 38, 39, whatever it took. And right. then the, they, they, the came to Michael, they, they pan it to Michael Keaton on, on the floor. And he's like, what? Yeah. Uh, and there's the scene where he falls onto the, the chalk outline and, or the tape yeah, outline. And that's that, that scene. Th- that's that that whole, that whole sequence started the greatness of that part of that movie for me. Yeah. And, yeah. and it kept, kept, it just kept going from, from there. And he's, he's, she walks in on him and he's kissing that girl and she's mm-hmm. like, what's happening here? And he keeps kissing her and gives her the one minute thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's also the like, I mean, I don't know. I've never watched a soap opera, but it's making fun of the soap operas there also. I, I do really enjoy when he's like that whole soap opera thing. It's like one sequence he can't believe they watch it. And then the next minute he's watching it and the kids are coming in and they're like, oh, is, is, is she going to find out? Is it Kevin's baby? Yeah, right, and right. The kids are like but what about kid, Mickey? <laughs> kid actors. The the younger one with the blanket is on critical role now. Like he has he's had a oh, really a voice acting career. But as they're delivering the lines, I'm like, oh, this is kid actor stuff. Like these kids don't know what they're saying. They're they're just saying what they've been told. But it's still funny to have the kid come in and be invested in what's happening on Days of Our Lives or whatever it is they're watching. Yeah. So yeah, m- makes the nest when I. If if you liked it when you were younger, you should watch it again for. I think nostalgia will hold you a long way. I it'll I hold definitely, you through to the fun parts. I definitely picked up a lot of stuff that I'd never noticed before. Despite yeah. oh yeah, seen as an adult, definitely. By the way, clearly Van De- Van Camps, uh, the company has sponsored them a lot in that show because they they kept showing Van Camps pork and beans. Van there's Camp's a chili. there's a lot of product placement. Like even when he's doing the laundry thing, like you can see borax and. Clorox and all that. Yeah, stuff. And, and Cheerios. They have a big thing of Cheerios mm-hmm. all the time. And yeah, I'm like, wow, they they did. And then there, there's the whole coupon sequence where they're naming coupons from every uh, coupon yeah. from the companies. Yeah, and they're not made up companies. They're like Clorox two for one at two fifty. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, this is great. Yeah. Uh, okay. So anyway, uh, we have all right. Well, it's it's your one. pick. This okay. Week. So I'm I'm gonna go the opposite way. Uh, all these are somewhat nostalgic, but this one um, is one of those epic. It's an epic is, is, is the description for this one. Okay. Uh, it's called legends of the fall. It's with Brad Pitt. Uh, for me, I, th- I think I may have never seen this. 
Oh, I, I hope you like it. I mean, you, you can not okay. like it, but I, I hope you like it. Um, I think that you, I think you should watch this with your family. I think they would like it. I do. I think it's a, it's a good one. It, it takes place long. It's like in a long time ago. I don't say a long time ago. Cowboy mm-hmm. days okay. out West type stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly think that your family would like this show. Um, it is an epic and kind of an epic love story. Um, okay. And kind of, yeah, I, I can't, I can't describe it anymore. It's, it's, it is one of the movies that I, I, I kept getting frustrated at Brad Pitt because I kept wanting him to be a bad actor and he's actually really good, mm. you know? And I'm like, okay. why does someone have to be so good looking and have mm. everything and then also be really good at his job? Right. right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this one. And I want to, uh, like I said, we came from this kind of fun-ish old movie to, to something that's, it is a little older, but it's, it's not too bad. Uh, yeah, so Leg- The Legends of the Fall is what it's called. Legends of the Fall. Uh, set, set along some, set some time for this one. I guess it is an epic that takes place over, it spans over a lifetime. Oh, okay. It's not like a story within a lifetime. It's like, you know, it happens in a, in a lifetime. Uh, so you, you kind of want to watch it and, and feel it as right. you go through it, right? Okay. All right. Cool. Well, um, let's see. I've actually watched a couple movies in the last few days because I'm down here with Dad and Andrew. Oh, yeah? Um, we watched a movie called The Lost City of Z from 2016 with um, Charlie Hunnam, who was in uh, Sons of Anarchy and Pacific Rim, probably other things, okay. um, and Tom Holland, of all people. I oh, think, Tommy. I don't think any of us knew he was in that. So when he shows up, we're like, wait, is that Tom Holland? Um, <laughs> it's, you, mean, uh, you mean Drake? Yeah, yeah, Nathan Drake. And they actually do. It's all about like exploring the jungles of South Africa. You know, he has um, another movie coming out pretty soon. Right, yeah. Um, so how was it, it? How was the show? Was it good? It's good. It's, it's based on a real person. So I'll, without spoiling details of the, of the ending... The ending wasn't great. Like the movie was good <laughs> up until the ending. Um, yeah. So that's the movie wasn't great. Was great until the ending. Okay, that's that's exactly. not a that's not a promising thing. To exactly. Say. Yeah, it's not a glowing recommendation. Um, the second movie. Um, oh, and that Lost City of Z is set in the early twentieth um, century. So like just before World War One, and then World War One happens, and there's some stuff that happens after that. Okay. Uh, so that's the that's the setting. It's a period film. Um, we also watched a movie called Manchester by the Sea, uh, which um, spoilers if you haven't seen this, I guess um, it it won or was nominated for some awards. So it's a kind of art house film. It's um, Casey Affleck, Ben Affleck's little brother, and. When I told our buddy Fox that we were watching this, he said, oh, my God, why? <laughs> okay. Um, this is, I don't want to give any details because the movie drops you into the action, uh, not action. It drops you in the middle of the story in media res. And Casey Affleck's character is clearly like kind of broken, maybe depressed. And you don't quite know why. You don't know whether... It's just the way that he is or if something happened to him. And they show some flashbacks to show you that. And even from the very beginning, you see flashbacks. You're like, okay, he wasn't always this way. Um, You find out what happened to him 
It's pretty terrible. And the story doesn't really resolve. It's another one that is is based on I think actual people, but in a in a worse way than than Lost City of Z. Um this is spoilers for the ending, so if you intend to watch <laughs> this movie, definitely skip ahead. But I described it as goodwill hunting if the protagonist never goes to therapy. And oh, just well, kind of terrible. Just kind of stays <laughs> where he is i mean he he doesn't there's there's some progress but it's nothing like it's nothing like the the breakthroughs that happen in goodwill hunting okay uh okay the third thing we watched aside from shang chi which i mentioned um dad and i watched the first episode of for all mankind oh man which is been trying to get us to watch that which is an apple tv original have you not seen it I have not seen it, and okay. and I and I want it's one, it's on my show to want to watch because I've heard I, that the the it gets better progressively better and better quickly. Yeah, it's her. it's Ronald D. Moore who uh, you know worked on Star Trek and 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 Battlestar Galactica the reboot. I was thinking you had seen this. What's the what's the other show about astronauts that is? I don't know if it's alternate history, but the other fictional show about astronauts that you were watching like last year. I don't remember. Oh. I can't think of anything like that. I was and at I your watched... house and you and you were watching it, and I was like, "Oh, this is." And I thought it was for all mankind. It must have been something else. Mm, must have been. I know. I know. I watch, my sci-fi shows I've watched was the um, oh the one with I can't even remember an Eclipse or something like that. Um, oh, it was a year ago or so too. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that would have been. Hmm. Um. But no, for all mankind is one that that I so that you watch one episode. Don't spoil it. I mean, I know that the the premise is that uh, Russia made it to the moon before we did. Therefore, right. history has changed, and this yeah. is the alternate history. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm gonna I'm passing on what our what our buddy Justin had told me was that um it quickly gets science fictiony every season more and more and more i've i've uh, heard that i've heard that as well um i think there are just two seasons so i don't know how long it takes for the for the science fictiony stuff to to happen i mean it's i guess it's technically all science fiction because it's it's a made-up story that is that it has science but um yeah the the first episode the episodes are like a solid hour long um is really sort of character introduction though you don't meet a ton of characters you meet the main guy who is um the actor who plays flag in the suicide squad yeah i always want to call him randall flag but i know that's wrong <laughs> right that's yeah from the stand um and his wife is uh the actress who plays um billy butcher's wife ex-wife in the boys Yes. Um, yeah, I don't remember either story. of their names. Um, and yeah, it's basically just set up. And, and because it's the moon landing, like it takes a lot of time. You got to keep showing different people and how they're reacting to this news. And it comes out of nowhere. And I get the impression that there are other significant and significant historical events that are changed. Um, but I don't know what they are. Like, they're just sort of hinted at. Like, Nixon is president, 
when this happens in 1969, um, which is not accurate. It was still Johnson at the time. Right. And so I'm like, did Kennedy not get assassinated? Like what's, I'm, I don't know a lot about that era of history. So, um, you know, there are probably people yelling at their phones now at my, <laughs> and, and I'm not going to go look it up now because we're two seasons deep in the show. And if I go looking for anything, I'm going to get spoilers. Um, right. But yeah, it's, it's interesting so far as, as always, I have a hard time with, with hour long, uh, dramas. Um, but I think dad and I will probably watch one more episode, maybe tomorrow. Um, I think they're going back up, uh, Friday and, um, and then maybe when I see my family at Thanksgiving, we might watch another one. I don't know if you want to watch it along with me. I actually, um, I do. I do want to watch it. It's, it's, you know, we, we often talk on this show about there's not enough time for everything. Right. right. Um, and, and there's always so many shows that we want to watch this, this, this definitely falls into that category of, um, you know, there's, there's, I, I need, when I need to pick up a show, this is one that's always on my, okay, get ready for it list. And I, I also have, yeah. Uh, like I like science fiction things, but like, I don't like old t- things all the time. I don't, don't want to watch a show set in the seventies per se, you know, that's just, that's uh, just going to be all, you know, NASA in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. Which is okay. Sometimes I want that, but you know, when I want sci-fi, but again, our friend Justin has reassured me that, that it's the cool things is because he, what he told me without spoilers again, is that because of this, them, the space race continuing, it accelerates all of our technological advancements. That's that's sort of what I anticipated as I was sitting watching it. I was like, what would the consequence of this be if if the race because because that's what it is, like they, they say this in the first episode, like um the and part of what justified our government spending so much money on something that, you know, in retrospect you're like I mean, I guess sending a man to the moon is cool, but it costs so much money. Um, right. And the, you know, the reason we did that is because of this race we had with the Soviets. So if, like, if they're still in the running in this race, then what, what else happened? That's, that's my sort of, um, that was my sort of, uh, like, guess prediction for what's going to happen. And I don't know after seeing just one episode, but... um well, yeah. that, that's that, that's what that's exactly what what Justin is telling me is that hey, you know, stick with it because you start seeing these things quickly. And he said, I think he said, don't worry. By season two, they're ahead technologically than what we are now. Okay, but but it's the eighties. Okay, I said, well, that even sounds even cooler. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. All somebody of, all of his the, hype and your hype chat even today makes me said it's. More. It becomes less madman, and I'm like, okay, well, what do you mean madman? Because it's not like to me the like the setting of madman was just to like to like keep you going, keep you interesting. Like what was what was compelling, and like, boy, I'm I'm not saying this well. Like the setting and the 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 particular like sixtiesness of madman was not what made the show good. Um, yeah. What made it good was the characters, right? Was Don Draper being this kind of like broken sort of selfish guy and, um, and all of this on all of this intrigue, the like 
hey, look how weird life was in the 60s was just the like, was just the context of it. Right. Well, well, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that you you chose to watch this because it does kind of light a little fire underneath me to, to watch something that no one has said has been bad. And everyone right. who's watched it has has really enjoyed it. Uh, and yes, we do have our winter shows coming up. Things happen. But but I think this is one that, that I could, you know, hopefully spend some time watching. And, and I also do think that it is one that you have to watch. Right. You can't just kind of just watch a little bit of here and uh, fall asleep to and such. So, you know. It's a good idea. It's a good. That's a that's a good idea to to watch that one for. Um, cool, man. You set set me on a path type type thing, right? <laughs> I was uh, I was thinking you had watched it. I was gonna. You were gonna oh, no, yeah. Uh, okay, cool. We well, I I did watch. We still got a roundtable. Some couple things. I I watched Eternals last week, which I, I, mm. I won't go into yet because you haven't seen that one. No. Dune still. You, you got to watch that one so we can talk about it at least a little bit. I might I might make it out this weekend. Yeah. Wait. Well, you, you got to watch Ghostbusters if you're going out this weekend. All right. Um, Spider-Man trailer came out, which was pretty cool. We should talk about that next week, by the way. Monday's coming sooner than later, so we'll, uh, maybe we can talk about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a ton to say on that. I watched the, the Screen Crush, uh, you know, Easter egg breakdown video, which helped. I know you guys talked about it at length and I'm like, okay, I've got too much going on. I got to mute this channel for an hour. (laughs) Um, But well, the, you know, the, the, Screen Crush as always does does really great breakdown videos where they'll they'll yeah. catch all the little all the little things that I you know I don't remember kind of things. Those it was gratifying certain things where I'm like, oh yeah, this is similar to what happened in uh, the second Andrew Garfield movie when he does yeah the, the, this thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 very funny to to not spend too much time on this trailer itself, but at the very end when um, at the very end of the trailer. They show Mary Jane falling from you know, a height and with stuff falling around her, and mm-hmm. that was very much the death of Gwen Stacy scene. Right, right. And Sydney saw that, and she like audibly gasped, mm-hmm. like she knew she recognized what was happening there, and she loves the character MJ in this one, right? Z- Zendaya, and that was like no, no, they can't make this happen because they have done it multiple times in multiple Spider-Man incarnations where, where his love interest dies. Right. Um, right. Well, and especially in that movie because, yeah. And that was, I don't, I mean, not traumatic. Like I was old enough when it happened that it didn't traumatize me, but it was still like horrific, uh, you know, for, for a Spider-Man movie. Like they don't, they don't do that. Right. Yeah. and that, and, that scene, I, I really enjoyed that scene. It's, it's terrible to say, but enjoy that scene in Spider-Man 2 simply because it was very, today I still got goosebumps of the shot where they, you know she hits her head on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it was it's just so horrifying, like you said, this this moment of overcoming grief that he has right then. And like, that was so strong for a Spider-Man thing. And I know, I know when sydney sees that and she knows that that's why it is she never it made her second guess to why it was why they had to do it right but mm-hmm. to her feeling with that trailer that that trailer gave her with that moment was i could i could tell it's like this could be that again and i'm scared mm-hmm. right yeah uh, so that that was good the other, the other part was that you know it's long been said that the other people that played spider-man are going to be in this one and you know they keep on insisting no and that that's been a big controversy and I'm setting myself up to say no. They're not going to have them in there. 
This trailer doesn't show that, doesn't lean to that. Everyone has said no to it pretty flat out. The the theory the theory Screen Crush is working with is that um those characters have been digitally removed from the shots that are in the trailer. Yeah. And there are a couple of cases where I'm like, okay, that seems I don't really have a a dog in that race, but Yeah, um, I, I really don't either. I mean, I would love it would be cool if it was, but but I think the movie will be great without it. Mm-hmm. I think it'll I, I think it's it's a Sinister Six movie, which they've everybody's wanted who are in kind of not everyone, not necessarily the fans, but like the production companies have wanted for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And th- this is it. And they this is a good time to do it. They've got the actual good characters to do it with and good things. I, I think it could really be good without having to have. Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire and all them in it. And mm-hmm. if they're on it in theory in it, good, you know, icing on the cake. That's, that's pretty great. But, uh, this trailer was just great with it. Seeing like, you know, a cooler Jamie Foxx electro, a Sandman back, which was cool in the first one. Dr. Octa. The only, you know, what was the weird part in that trailer? The lamest part was the spider, the current Spider-Man and his friends. Like they seemed like, everything else was cool and awesome and like adulty. And then they come out with stupid kid jokes. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah. that felt like really out of place. Sure. Um, but you know, we'll see. I, I, I I'm excited for it. Uh, the trailer d- was really fun. I liked it a whole lot uh, and I'm sure I'll have a good time. Um, but I'm doing what I'm trying to do. Try and take your advice, Dennis, but you know, go with low expectations and just, just have a good time with that movie. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's just a fun, going to be a fun movie. Whatever it is. And it's in December. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up. Cool. Yeah, Eternals, Dune, uh, Spider-Man coming out, and uh, Ghostbusters. I still haven't seen James Bond, so you know i got some things coming up. Mm. And uh, next week, I've got yeah, some time we were, off we were, to do. Yeah, we were going to watch that because it's on on streaming now, but Dad and Andrew and Sarah went and saw it without me. Oh, so I have to bold watch, move, Cotton. I have to watch it on my own. Wow. That's that's just hard on you. <laughs> Didn't go watch yeah, that one now. I uh, I have some time next week because um, uh, I'm off work for the whole week, and Sydney is, happens to be going out to her mom's. Hmm. So maybe I'll I'll catch up on some theater time. You know, our, our theaters are weird; they don't open early and stay up late anymore. So, you know, it's like prime time's the only time they're open anymore because hmm. stupid COVID. <laughs> but or uh, labor shortage, I should say. Sure. Caused sure. by COVID. Anyway, so maybe maybe I'll catch up on some of this also i knew the new master of the universe part two is coming out which i really was not a fan of the first one but kevin smith keeps insisting that guys 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 it's the second it, it's not the full thing until you see the second part guys 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 so i'm gonna watch the second part and we'll see okay uh, yeah okay man that was that was a lot we did a lot today we yeah so up. okay next week we're watching legends of the fall spend some time on that one all right all right. You've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode 220, 221, whatever it takes. No, it's 221. Uh, thanks <laughs> as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. Uh, if you want to reach out to us with suggestions for beloved movies from your childhood that we should watch and discuss, you can reach us via email that addresses frontporchpod at gmail.com or go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, and use the contact forms there. If you enjoy The Front Porch, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you leave us a positive review, we always appreciate that. As always, thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.